We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Up next, the latest on the Kansas State Wildcats from the guys of Three Maw, John Kurtz, Derek Young, and Cole Mandek, who will get you caught up on all things Wildcats from a collective perspective that can't be found anywhere else. The latest news, the top stories, and an insider perspective to keep you in the know. Make sure you hit that follow button so you don't miss anything. Three Maw is proudly presented by 360 Vodka. And now, the latest on K-State Athletics. Hello and welcome into another Three Maw Pod. I am John Kurtz, joined as always by Derek Young from K-State Online, Cole Manbeck, former beat writer for the Manhattan Mercury. And uh, man, that is fired up as I've been in a long time to do a show here today. Boys, as fun as football season was, uh, basketball season maybe as fun or more fun. We'll see. The Cats are 3-0. They are going to skyrocket into the top 25 uh, upcoming this week, which is going to be awesome. And they have won three straight games against ranked opponents, two of which on the road at Texas, at Baylor. Hell of a week, man. And doing it by playing a very fun style of basketball, almost hitting 100 points twice in the week. Uh, Hey, bust out that 360 vodka. Bust out that Ben Holiday bottled and bond bourbon. Shots for everybody. Celebrate your ass off right now because K-State has a basketball team. This is a good, good basketball team. And uh, Holiday Distillery is there for all of your needs to get you – Juiced up for the game on Tuesday. Look, we're going to talk about it. Jerome Tang called out the fans, said, look, we did our job. Everybody needs to show up on Tuesday. We'll make sure that you're lathered up and ready to go. You're probably going to have to drink during the last hour of work, to be honest, to get there because the game tips off at 6 o'clock because we're doing back-to-back 6 o'clock Tuesday tip-offs. But, uh, you know, whatever you got to do, sneak a little bit in that water bottle that you have at work, your New Year's resolution to bring that big old water bottle to work and drink a bunch of water. Just slip a little bit holiday bottle and bond bourbon in there, okay? Just a little little pro tip for you here. But thank you to uh, Holiday Distillery. Appreciate all the work that they do. What? Do you want that's such a bad idea? Uh, well, we don't want them driving. <laughs> yeah, if oh, you have Uber to, then Uber to the game. Obviously, you Uber to the game. Okay, look. I'm... And don't get caught at work or John will get you all fired and you can sue him. Oh, I mean, look, isn't there some disclaimer every time that you listen to, you know, it's in the Apple terms and conditions. If you're on <laughs> Apple Podcasts, you signed away any right to sue me for that. Okay, so you're, you're, you're going to be okay. <laughs> we'll all be okay. Man. I, I cannot tell you, I, I, the last time I had as much fun watching K-State basketball for a week, I mean, I, I don't, the, the Kentucky game was amazing. And that that is honestly about the last time I can remember being on like this, this sort of like high uh, for K-State basketball. Like, I, I guess the, the game against Oklahoma where they won the Big 12 with, yeah. with Dean and Barry and company is is close, but I the, the Kentucky high because it was the tournament and all that was even more. And it's just, the unexpected nature of this this week, the fact that you have Noel and Keontae playing the way they are, the style that you're playing too, like it's just so fun. It feels like an NBA game. Um, I mean, it's just all of that. I, I It has been a long, long time, boys, since I have had that much fun watching K-State basketball. Probably a little bit of prisoner of the moment. I, this is up there. Don't get me wrong. But uh, a singular game, I think it's the Kentucky game that you referenced because that not only did you beat – Kentucky, but you're going to the Elite Eight after that win as well. So, and you're knocking on the door of the Final Four. And I think you already knew that your opponent would be Loyola at that point, if I remember correctly. So, you think you have a, a legitimate chance to make the Final Four for the first time would have been since the 60s, I believe. So, singular game, Kentucky. I remember there was a stretch and of the 2018 2019 season 
where I think Kansas State went on a 10 or 11 game winning streak in the Big 12. They beat every single team like right in a row um, without a loss. So I think in terms of stretches, I think uh, even more so than the win against Oklahoma, they clinched a share of the Big 12 that year. I think it was that stretch where I believe they won, like they beat every single team in a row um, during that Big 12 schedule. So that one would, would come to mind for me. And that, I mean, that included wins at Baylor, at Texas as well that year. Yeah. Now, the style of basketball was not nearly as fun. I get that. But, I mean, Barry Brown and Dean Wade were in their bag in, in that during that you know, stretch where they literally defeated every single Big 12 team in a row. Yeah, I think it just feels different, right? Because it's Jerome Tang and a new coaching staff and what they're doing is just truly remarkable. Um, you know, K-State right now is tied for second in the country in winning percentage um, with KU and Purdue. The second highest winning percentage in America currently with a 14-1 and record. And, you know, just getting off to the start that they have, when you looked at the Big 12 schedule, seeing you had road games at Texas and at Baylor back-to-back. I mean, I, I would have considered it a miracle going into the season that you split that and then to actually sweep it. And what makes it even more incredible is Baylor was desperate. I mean, when I watched Baylor lose that game to TCU earlier in the week, I was thinking, well, that's, that's not good for K-State because I expect Baylor to come into this game completely motivated, locked in, not wanting to go 0-3 to start Big 12 play on their home court. The emotions of Jerome Tang going back to Waco, I just thought it'd be too much for K-State. Uh, and to come out the way they did and to, to win the way they did was was tremendous. And, and guys, I think one of the most impressive things for me is just the, the mental fortitude and toughness this team showed in two games, two of their last three games, the way that they went to overtime. K-State had both those games won in regulation and back-breaking threes went in for West Virginia and Baylor. And to bounce back in both of those and make plays in overtime, it's so tough to do. You're, you know, the underdog, especially in Waco, and all the momentum is with Baylor. And to be able to respond and make plays, I mean, it felt like it was getting away in overtime. Baylor was up three. They had the ball, I think, with a chance to go up two scores. And then Marquise Noel just makes such a heady play that you see in the NBA all the time where the defender had his arm out and he went up and drew the foul on the three and got the game tied, and obviously Ish Masood made a, a huge shot on a great play design and uh, very happy that, that Ish had that moment because he's certainly been a guy that's, that's faced some criticism, and he had a great game and has actually made very impactful plays in two of K-State's wins in Big 12 play. Uh, let me let me just add, by the way, Cole, all great context as to why it does feel so much more exciting and it, we're not here to have a Bruce Weber debate, but you're 100% right. The fact that it's this coaching staff with this kind of backing that they have built up with the fan base is a huge part of it too. But I will just throw in, when they were beating everybody that season, you referenced there, D.Y. What, I was getting mixed up. That was 18-19, right, when they actually yep. won the league. 18-19, um, I was not getting an Instagram live of the entire team singing walk, to, walk into your trap, take over your trap uh, after every single win. So, you know. It's making it a little bit more fun for me. Shout out to uh, to Jareem and his his IG. Okay. But yes, all fair points across the board. Man, how about Ish? How about Ish? Cole, can we talk about what, what Cole called in our group text before the game? Cole just randomly fires out there on Saturdays like Ish is making three threes. You know, this is like at like one o'clock on Saturdays. Like Ish is going to hit three threes. And I remember when he hit the second one, I popped in there. I was like, all right, Cole's prediction lives. And then sure as hell, Ish Masood stands up with the biggest shot of the game, down by two with less than a minute to go in overtime and just cans a three. And now has changed his profile picture on Twitter to him doing the uh, the three goggles, which pro move. Love it for Ish, man. He deserves a, a ton of credit because it's not been an easy year for him. Not at all. No. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not going to gloat about my prediction, but uh, I – I, I was just throwing it out there. It, it feels like every game there is somebody new that that makes plays. And, you know, you, you look at the Texas game and Cam Carter scored mm -hmm. 17 points. And you look, Bebe had a big game against West Virginia scoring 14. And Gasson had 23 in a game earlier this year. And Desi Sills has had a big moment. And Tomlin, what what I really like is that on different nights, obviously you got your big two and Keon. Dante and Marquise and that third guy, but everybody that plays 
has shown that they can have that moment where they they score double figures or make big plays. And, and that was Ish's big moment that he was able to step up. And hopefully that gets him going from a confidence standpoint because he scored 13 points on four shots. That's really hard to do. Uh, very efficient and in 17 minutes to get 13 points. And, you know, yeah, he, he had some defensive breakdowns, but he, he's playing hard and, you know, he's having to play in some mismatches. And you know what the other thing, guys? We talk about the made three, but how about the turnover he forced with six seconds left in regulation or in overtime? I mean, that was Flagler was was dribbling out there and Ish got his hand on the ball and Flagler dribbled it out of bounds in case they got the ball and that sealed the game. So, uh, yeah, just a, a tremendous moment for him and and feel happy for him that he uh, he got to experience that and obviously help K-State win another game. And uh, I would expect, John, you mentioned it. I think K-State's probably going to be, if you're listening to this on Monday, like we're recording this on Sunday, I think K-State's going to be close to the top 10 in the national rankings. Gary Parrish had K-State heading into that game at CBS ranked 13th. So the athletic had them, of, had them at number 10 before the game. Yeah. So, I mean, there's not a lot of teams with wins at, uh, you know, those types of profiles of Texas and Baylor road victories on their resume. So I would expect K-State to be close to the top 10, if not in the top 10. Yeah, I mean, I, I I always, I don't have that much faith in voters. I tend to feel like it, it lags a little bit. So I guess I, I kind of, my prediction was someone asked me last night, I was like, I, I feel like 15. I feel like they'll probably be 15. But I, I think you're right. Based on merit, they deserve to uh, to probably actually be higher than that. And, uh, but I would be happy with 15, certainly very happy with it going into uh, – you know, uh, as as winnable a game as I think you might have uh, outside of playing Oklahoma at home on the Big 12 schedule uh, coming up this week in Oklahoma State. And we have a lot to to break down before we actually get there. But um, just crazy that we're talking about this right now. And I think a huge part of it, Cole, is is what you are talking about with other people being able to step up on this roster. And I that might be the more surprising thing to me um, because I, Noel and, and Keontae are playing out of this world and are legitimately both Big 12 player of the year caliber players right now. Marquise Noel might be like national player of the year caliber players. He, There were a couple stats about the numbers he put up last week, and the company he was keeping was Trey Young, John Morant, and uh, God, I'm forget- and Steph Curry. Trey Young, John Morant, and Steph Curry. He was doing things last week that, that only those guys have done in recent memory in college basketball. So, you know, you've got like a national player of the year level player. You've got a Big 12 player of the year level player on your roster. But still, to me, the most surprising thing might be that some of these guys, this this gang that felt more like just sort of a, a ragtag bunch of characters that, you know, had some skills, but you weren't quite sure exactly how it all fit in and felt a little out of place at times early in the year. These guys look legit, like the role players seem very legit and are, are standing up and making plays when you need them to, like you mentioned. The game wasn't a fluke. Neither win was a fluke, right? I mean, some you can kind of – sometimes you see a team – catch lightning in a bottle or the game kind of looks fluky. I mean, you led most of the game against Texas, if not all. You won by double digits. It could have been more. I know the Baylor game goes into overtime, and but that was after kind of, you know, withering away a couple of, you know, sizable leads against the Bears. I know this is going to sound like a big-time front-running thing, but when you kind of gauge that game and go back and look and, and watch it again – it's almost – it went in overtime, so it sounds like I'm getting over my skis here, but it almost felt like Baylor was fortunate to, to kind of hang in there at times. I mean, Kansas State had them on the brink of collapsing, I thought, a couple of different times, and then Kansas State was on the brink of collapsing there, like Cole referenced in overtime. But I guess I just goes my, – my main point was that none of these wins necessarily felt fluky. It felt like Kansas State was was the better team both nights and and certainly when you do it on the road it seems even more powerful because now you know being the home team in the second game you know you have the inside track to sweeping two top 25 teams now with Texas and Baylor because I think Baylor is still going to rebound to be a pretty good club this year maybe not the top 10 top 15 team that we're accustomed to seeing in Waco but I still think probably a top 25 squad once they rebound and respond and, and kind of pick themselves up and probably catch you know a bit of a hot streak and and I know Texas doesn't have their, you know, head coach Chris Beard anymore after being fired. But even if they do fall off just a tad, I, th- I think you're still looking at a top 15 team in Texas uh, at the very least. I think it's still a top 10 roster, maybe top five 
Now, West Virginia, that's the team I'm probably thinking that wins probably not going to look as good in a couple weeks or a month from now. I think there's a very good chance that maybe they're playing on the bubble here in a little bit because they've lost all three of their conference games so far and what they have next on the docket, it's not going to make that any easier for them. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to look through here. I totally agree. I think one of the things that has really struck me in watching these games is being like, even halfway through the Baylor game where I was kind of like, there was a point where I felt like, all right, you know, Baylor may win this thing. But I was like, the, the thing that is standing out to me is like, this is legit. Like, this is not the Texas game. I can understand how you'd watch that and be like, all right, you know, one one night. I think we even raised that question on the last podcast. Like, is this just one night where they got absolutely scorching red hot and it's going to turn into a really fun night and a really fun game, but it won't always be like that. But then here they are. I know went into overtime, but flirting with 100 again against Baylor. Like, I mean, this is it is absolutely legit. This team belongs uh, and is definitely legit. And a, a large part of that is, I mean, when you have a guy like Marquise Noel, it has been so fun to watch. But I feel like even when you go look at the stat line, it's even more eye popping than it feels like when, when you're watching him in the game, man. I mean, <laughs> KSU underscore fan. Here's a tweet from him. Marquise Noel through three Big 12 games, 30.3 points per game shooting 50% from the field, 50% from three, 90% from the free throw line, 11 assists, three steals, two rebounds per game. I mean, that is insane. He had 32 and nine at Texas. He had, or 36 and nine at Texas, 32 and 14 at Baylor. You know, I mean, it was eye, eye catching enough last year when like uh, you would watch Nigel Pack pop for 30 plus, but I mean, we've seen it now multiple times and more from, from Marquise Noel with the assist being the distributor and not turning the ball over either. I mean, it's, it's just incredible what that guy is doing right now. He's taken like what he was last year, expanded upon it by having a larger role. And then at the same time, trim some of the fat on that, which was, uh, you know, turnovers could be a problem at times. It's just like everything has come together uh, with with the potential that he had in his game. And he is, as Jerome Tang said multiple times after the game, a dude. He is a dude right now. Yeah, and I'll hand this off to Cole here in a second, but he's just so much more efficient too. Like you mentioned the turnovers last year, but he didn't shoot the ball well last year. Um, there were times where he did a clutch shot here and there, but he was not shooting it. I, I said it during the football season at one point when the Will Howard and that offense got to cooking, and it's like it felt like every time – they got the ball. They were going to score a touchdown, right? We got to that point where it felt that way about the Kansas State football offense. Well, that's what it feels like right now when Keontae Johnson and Marquise Noel have the ball. Um, if they're shooting it, it's probably going in. That's just how it feels. And never once – and last year he was good. Marquise Noel was still a good player last year, but never once did I feel that way at any point where where he's putting up a shot and I'm like, oh, it's going in because he's shooting it. Like It feels like everything he throws up is going in. It didn't feel that way last year. In fact, it probably felt a little bit the opposite. Like he was, I don't know if he made 30% from three last year. If he did, it was barely over. And now he's, every time he's heaving it from the logo, um, you still have confidence that's going to go in. Yeah, he uh, he's playing on another level. And the ball is always in his hands. And it, it's pretty incredible that if you look at the, the box scores, so he played 38 minutes against um, Texas and he played 43 against West Virginia and Baylor. I do worry about his legs a little bit, you know, him and Keontae, they are very reliant on keeping those guys on the floor. Heck, we saw what happened. They took them both off the floor one time. Jerome Tame just tried to buy a media timeout and Baylor scored in case they turned it over and, and they're back out there on the court. And so K-State is very reliant to have those guys on the court. So hopefully, you know, they can have a couple games where Marquise doesn't have to play 38, 39 minutes as they, they continue to build depth and feel comfortable with the rotation, but he is playing, on another level. So if you actually look at uh, game scores, guys, which game score is a more simplified version of offensive ratings that looks at all aspects of a box score to determine a player's overall impact on a game. Marquise Noel is number 10 in the country in game score. Keontae is number 34. They're the top two players in the Big 12 in game score so far this season. The next closest guy in the Big 12 conference is Jalen Wilson of KU at number 53 in game score. So K-State has the top two players in that statistical category in Big 12 play. Uh, Keontae and NBA offensive efficiency rankings, number 28 in the country. Marquise is number 30 in the country. Uh, and we've talked about it before, but K-State's number two in the country in assists per possession at 
and they're number six in the country in assists per field goals made at 67% of their field goals made are come on assists. Uh, and fan fan tweeted this out last night, but K-State now 1.22 points per possession in three Big 12 games, which leads the conference and ranks number seven in the country during that time. Actually, Houston's the only power six school with a higher offensive efficiency rating over the last three games. So, you know, and, and a lot of that is Marquise. He's making the offense go. Uh, if you think about it, guys, I, I tweeted this out last night. He has 133 assists through 15 games. He ranked fourth in the Big 12 last year for the whole season with 136 assists. He is three assists away, and we're not even halfway through the season from tying what he had last year. So he's obviously going to shatter that. The leader in the Big 12 last year with assists was James Akinjo of Baylor with 170. So Marquise is going to completely shatter the leader in the Big 12 last year in assists. He's obviously going to shatter the single-season assist record at K-State. And he may challenge the all Big 12 single season assist record if he continues at this pace. So uh, he continues to be remarkable. And he made 24 consecutive free throws between the Texas and the Baylor games and then missed on the very last attempt of the game. But 24 or 25 from the foul line in the last two games. He's, he's been brilliant. Brilliant, I think, is the appropriate word. Um, absolutely brilliant. Like, I think back to, I don't know, no, another conversation for another day. But I think back to the... Uh, the, the, the tweets he's had tweets that he put out like you know within the last couple of months before they totally blew up like this where he's just like I, i'm going to play in the nba someday and even even me as like a huge k-state fan kind of look at that and i'm like look man i wish nothing but the best for you keep working for it keep grinding but i was kind of like uh you know we'll see now i'm like look i'm not gonna take anything away from the kid i mean I, hell if he keeps doing this uh, and there were a bunch of NBA scouts at the game in, in Waco. We know that. Uh, we saw the tweets about that, that there were a number of scouts on hand to watch, uh, uh, you know, Keontae George, for one, for Baylor, but also Naquan and Keontae Johnson and, and Marquise Noel, I'm sure, is, is going to pop with what, what he's doing there. And he's, he's also – he's just overshadowing Keontae Johnson and, like, the incredible season that he's having right now and how efficient he is. Like, I thought King McClure made a great point, um, and this ties back to the efficiency that you guys were talking about. It was when it was in overtime. It was one of the early possessions in overtime. Keontae really, I feel like for almost the first time this year, I, he forced a shot from the baseline that kind of maybe got partially blocked and like hit the side of the backboard. It was like, man, we just, we don't ever see Keontae Johnson do that. There's no, he is so efficient and knows when to go, knows when to shoot, knows when to pull it back. And you do not ever see him force shots. And uh, that's, that's a part of the brilliance of what it is that he's doing, but he's, he's being overshadowed. Like he is, I would have never in a million years thought that, that Keontae Johnson would be overshadowed by, by the work that he's doing right now. And it's, it's definitely happening. That's, that's what happens when a guy averages 30 and 10 through the first th three games of this yeah. conference season. Yeah. I mean, look, if you think about it right now, not only in this case, they'd have, two first-team All-Big 12 players in Marquise and Keontae, but I think K-State has two All-Americans. Now, you could argue first-team All-American, second-team, I, you know, like, yeah, probably one of them would be second or third-team or honorable mention how that works, but K-State has two guys playing at an All-American level right now in the season, and it is remarkable that Keontae gets a little bit overshadowed because of what he is doing as well, 28th. Um, was it 28 and nine against Texas and then 24 and nine last night. So, uh, and he's, uh, he went 11 to 17 from the floor last night. He's averaging 19 points and seven rebounds on the season while making nearly 60% of his shots and shooting better than 40% from three. It's, yeah. it's truly insane what he's doing. It, it, I looked back on it too. And this is kind of a funny thing. Like he's had nine rebounds six times this year. So six times he's a rebound short of a double, double, <laughs> It's crazy, man. Um, I, I hear I'm looking through some of the <clears throat> Marquise Noel stats here. He Noel has nine games at K State with ten or more assists. Uh, Steve Henson did that five times. <laughs> Steve Henson did it five times. Noel's already done it nine times. Uh, no one else at K State has ever done it more than twice. Um, <laughs> the only other guy in the last decade to put up a thirty and ten assist game was Trey Young. Um, man, I lost the John Morant one. There was another one here that involved John Morant. Oh yeah, here it is. Uh, K-State's Marquise Noel has 68 points and 23 assists in his last two games. Both road wins over top 20 teams, 65-plus points and 20 assists in a two-game span last 10 seasons. Marquise Noel, John Morant, and Trey Young. Uh, so, yeah, that'll do it in terms of overshadowing uh, Keontae. Sorry, Keontae. Love you. <laughs> Love you. But, uh, 
Marquise Noel's got the got the edge there right now. Well, also, uh, John, this is from uh, K State as well in the post game notes last night, but became the first Wildcat with consecutive thirty point games since Michael Beasley did it in two thousand eight. So, I, not, I it, yeah, nuts. I mean, like think about think about Jacob Poland. Like, and, and I mean, he's like he's on another level than like what Poland was doing right now. As as beloved as as Poland is, and Poland. By the way, got Poland's attention. He's talking about trying to get to, to Bramlage now. And then Michael Beasley was even quote tweeting that. I was like, oh boy, like here we go, man. If we could ever get them to, to Bramlage for a game this year, send the private jet that they had lined up for uh, for TBT and make sure that we get both of those guys in town. But yeah, uh, laundry list of stats that, that we could be reading off here. Okay. I do want to talk, like this all happened, by the way, without David Gasson, who was turning into a really nice piece and has not been able to play still appears to be on on crutches we'll discuss the injury situation with him uh plus some comments from jerome tang trying to get people into bramlage and what the crowd's going to look like the rest of the year and uh yeah oh by the way texas did fire chris beard and uh we got to talk about jeff goodman uh all that coming up you're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in kansas city kc sports network we'll be back right after this We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Okay, we are back here on 3Mod. John Kurtz, Derek Young, Cole Manbeck. Um, David Gasson has not been a part of this recent stretch for K-State. Still injured, and I realize this is, you know, this would be kind of a roundabout way here because he is a big, and and Keontae and Marquise are playing in the backcourt, but just with the rotation being a little bit more thin, I don't know, the more bodies you have to throw out there just to give anybody out there a little bit of rest and not have to be so heavily reliant uh, on the five or six guys that K-State is right now would be great for this team as you go through the grind, the meat grinder of the Big 12 schedule. What do we know? What are we thinking right now about David Gasson and and what to expect as far as his return? I mean, Jerome Tang kind of he's he he sidesteps injury questions, so that's he's going to be that kind of coach that's not going to be. There's nothing wrong with that, but he's not going to be openly transparent about a guy's um, outlook when it could happen. At one point, he said it wasn't a season ender, and the next time out, it was a game time decision. So it's kind of ran the gambit in terms of what we might be looking at. I think they've made this kind of a mystery on purpose. Um, the fact that he went from no crutches to crutches makes me think that 
it probably went in reverse direction, at least momentarily. Um, I'd imagine we're at least a couple weeks out. Yeah. What, uh, what concerned me is he was, uh, it shoot around before the Texas game. He was still taking, like he was standing, taking shots and not, not like going hard, but he was on his feet. He wasn't in a boot. He didn't have crutches. And yesterday you saw, or I think it was Friday, you know, they had a workout at Baylor's facility, I believe. And you could see that he had crutches, he had a boot on, and he was, he was shooting baskets from, this was from Jareem's Instagram feed, but he was shooting baskets while sitting on a chair, um, which concerned me because, you know, it, it makes me worry that he tried to maybe give it a go and, and then re-aggravated something or made it worse. I, I don't know. Like, I, I can't really speculate on injuries, but it, it is a little more alarming that he's back in a – he's in a boot now and on crutches. So I really would like to have him by the KU game um, just as a rotational piece to where he could give him eight to ten minutes because they're going to have to get his conditioning back up uh, when he is back. Because you got to think about it. David Gasson hasn't played in a basketball game since the Radford game on December 21st. You had the Christmas break uh, 10 days off and, and he didn't play against West Virginia. So he'll probably have gone more than a month without playing in a game. So conditioning will be a concern. Yeah. It's, it's interesting about <laughs> Tang and, and injuries kind of figuring this out as we go along, but yeah, it just felt like a, a big time mystery uh, with Kassan and what exactly is going on, which, Hey, if, he, if Tang wins, I, I don't care what he does with injuries. I mean, he, he keeps doing this. He can do whatever. Yeah, he wasn't, they weren't necessarily, you know, divulging much with Bebe either when that was going on. Right. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just that they, uh, they, they tend to want to be more private when those things occur. Yeah, totally cool. I'm okay with that. Um, one comment from Jerome Tang really seemed to strike me, and it, it on social media seems to have struck a lot of people. You know, Tang has not been shy um, about trying to get the crowd fired up, trying to generate fan support. We see him doing the Wabash with the students after games. Uh, but even just saying, like, hey, we need – there was the, the one game where he said, like, hey, students showed up. We need the rest of Manhattan to get here. Uh, he has gone kind of down that Bob Huggins route. I mean, if you remember Bob Huggins' first year, he called out – it was actually the students that he was calling out um, – but trying to generate fan support to make that home court atmosphere as good as possible. And uh, now is definitely the time to be filling up Bramlage because I was listening to the post-game radio interview with Wyatt and Stan. And that was one thing Jerome Tang said. He said, look, we did our part. So now it's time for Bramlage to be filled up. And he said it should be standing room only on Tuesday when Oklahoma State comes to town. Now, the tough part for somebody like myself is that 6 o'clock on a Tuesday when I live in Kansas City is just, I can't, I'm already taking off work. For the KU game the next Tuesday, that's tough for me. But like anybody within sound of my voice, if you've got the chance, you actually have the ability to be able to break away from work in time to get to that game, please do. Because the combination of the next two things we're going to talk about are, one, Tang wants you to show up. And I have no doubt that the weekend games are going to be filled up. But a, a Tuesday at 6 gives me eh, maybe a tiny bit of concern. And then we're going to talk about speculation with Tang and other jobs, which is already happening with Texas, thanks to Jeff Goodman screw off Jeff Goodman. Uh, but that's already happening. So let's give this guy as much support as humanly possible right now. Uh, it needs to happen. I, what are you guys expecting for, uh, for Tuesday? Uh, I'm expecting it to be, I mean, it, the way that they're making this push, they might, they might, nope. I'm starting to think that they probably will get a sellout out of it. And that was probably the purpose of this push. And, and, like you said, uh, the more success that Jerome Tang finds in Manhattan, the more appealing he's going to be to other teams, the more buzzworthy of a name he's going to be as a coaching candidate to other teams. And um, a good way to keep guys in the fold is to kind of get them what they want. And I'm not saying just, you know, bow down to everything, but, you know, it. Uh, every I, little am. Little I am. <laughs> bow down to everything. Bow down. Get the blank check. Carl Ice. Put your ink on it, sign it, and just leave the dollar amount blank and let Tang put in the rest. When you're Everything gonna have to, he wants. When you're going to have to try to convince him to stay at Kansas State, and maybe he doesn't take a ton of convincing. Maybe he wants to remain at Kansas State. But it's it's good to have everything in your arsenal to throw at him in terms of why he should stay at Kansas State when that time comes. And not to say he won't, not to say will, but it, you, know, you want to have all your ducks in a row. This is probably one of them. Um, at the same time, I, I hope and I, I I think, too, but I hope that they understand that as a coaching staff that 
those weekday six o'clock games when you're in Manhattan, Kansas, which is a little bit more remote than some of the other Big 12 institutions who, you know, if you looked across the Big 12 on Saturday, we're not even filling it up on a weekend game, um, quite frankly. I think that deserves to be said, too, and Kansas State will fill it up on a weekend game without any problems. But weekdays in Manhattan is a little bit of a challenge for some, and I hope they keep that level of understanding at, at the same time. But I do know that, the, and I do realize that they're making this effort and kind of maybe being a little bit more pushy than someone want, want to witness. But I think they're doing it, you know, out of a good heart because it's probably threefold, right? One is recruiting. You you, you play in a loud-ass building night in and night out, recruits will come. That's why Texas Tech started to recruit at the clip that they did on the basketball front, right? Um, two is they want to, they do everything they can in their power in every single phase for their players and to support their players. And they want that opportunity for their players to play in front of those types of crowds night in and night out. And the last thing would be um, just the competitive spirit and home court advantage that it can provide when you have that kind of loud and raucous environment. Um, Jerome Tang is completely vocal and a complete believer and a home court advantage can really shift the bet uh, almost at a football game almost can shift the basketball game you know shift the score shift the who wins he is all about home court advantage so the the last part of it is he thinks it can help win and he will do everything in his power to help his team win he's that competitive um a guy that you know that'll you know fight you over a game of checkers that's the type of competitor that he is. So he will take every advantage that he can get. This is one of them. So there, there's a lot of angles at play when you start to think, oh, I wish they wouldn't be so pushy. Well, they are doing it for their players, for recruiting and to win. Well, for, for what it's worth, I, I I'm in full support of them being pushy about it. I think they, at the beginning of the season, uh, I was still in full support of it. Cause I think like you need to just whatever it's when you combine it with how all in he's been with the culture of the place and you know, getting the students to stop the chant, hanging out at football games, talking to students on campus with the, the right. hanging with Tang, um, doing the Wabash with the students after the game. If you're going to be that involved, absolutely, man. You deserve to get that ass. But now you back it up with beating three ranked teams in a row and starting 3-0 and in the league. I mean, 1,000% you've earned the right to do that. So, yeah, yeah. I have, I just want to let the record show I have zero problem with it at all. They have 100% earned the right to do that. Yeah, I have zero problem with it, too. I think they have earned the right to do it. Um, I just hope they also keep the level of understanding that it's difficult as well. They can they can ask whatever the hell they want, and I'll do, I'll do whatever Jerome Tang and this basketball staff wants. You know, you, you tell me to, to run through a wall, I'll do whatever they want. I mean, these guys, uh, uh, Jerome Tang, as you guys mentioned, he's engaged with the fans. He's made every effort to engage with the students. And so he can he can ask for that support and they deserve the support. And yes, it is it is tricky with 6 p.m. starts, especially on weeknights in a place like Manhattan, but really across all college sports to, to get those numbers, attendance numbers, especially when the students are still on Christmas break uh, for the Oklahoma State game on Tuesday night. But I do think it's going to be a good crowd. Um, I, I think, John. So, John, did you listen to the whole postgame radio? I did. Yeah. Did they say a, a thousand tickets remain? For the game, that's what somebody had texted me. Is that oh, right, D-Y? Oh, so you mean, did I listen to the entire, not, not just Tang on post-game, but like the entire post-game broadcast? Yeah. No, I, I was kind of in and out at, at that point. I listened. Why, to okay. why it did say there was about a 1,000 tickets left, but that was as of immediately after the game. I'm sure it's whittled down significantly more. So that's good, right? I mean, because there was a lot more than a 1,000 just probably a week ago. And I think they're probably selling a lot of those GA tickets. So we'll fill up a lot of the student section with the students that can't make it. I'm sure there'll be some students that live nearby that are certainly going to make an effort and be at the game. But you also, for this game in particular against Oklahoma State, you need that home court because you're coming off two grueling victories on the road and it's a letdown type situation. Now, Oklahoma State went into Allen Fieldhouse and should have beat KU. All right. They, they lost that game by two points, but they were up 15 at the half, which is tremendously difficult to do in Lawrence. So you got to be locked in against Oklahoma State. It's, it's kind of that trap letdown type scenario. And you need the fans to be able to help you get through that. And I'm not saying K-State's overlooking Oklahoma State. Look, they're a top 30 team in the country by most metrics. Uh, Ken Palm, I think, has OSU, even though they're nine and six, has them as like the 27th or 28th ranked team in the Ken Palm ranking. So uh, this is a game you got to come locked in, and so they need the they need the fans there uh, to help energize the guys and just give them that extra lift. And 
you know, the Saturday games, the remainder of the year. So they have five Saturday games left. They'll all be sold out. But, you know, hopefully you can get the weeknight games, especially when the students get back. KU is obviously going to be packed to the rafters. Um, and I think when the students are back for the other weeknight games, it'll be a great atmosphere the rest of the year. And I don't know about you, John, D.Y., but I am so looking forward to being in an electric Bramlage Coliseum once again. It, I yeah. missed it. And yeah. I think we're going to see we're going to see an energy in Bramlage like the Frank, the, the Jake Denny year. You know, where because Tang is so engaging, there isn't the divisiveness in the fan base anymore. With you know, Bruce Weber, it was he was a polarizing figure with the fans. Some people loved him, a lot of people didn't because of the way he he spoke, some of the things he said. And it's not that way with Jerome Tang. Most of the people love him, and so he has brought everybody together. And I, I think just the way he carries himself, the way this team plays, it's gonna be an insane atmosphere the rest of the year. Agreed, man. I I was just about to say. I mean, we're, we're talking like early early Frank year vibes or early Frank tenure vibes. You know, uh, when I when I was a student, which you know I I will wax nostalgically about that all day every day. You know, I was a student from seven to eleven. So right when Michael Beasley got there, that was my freshman year. I can remember that. Uh, obviously, two thousand nine, two thousand ten, and then ten eleven. I mean, those days, it was great. You know, we had Doug Gottlieb doing games, calling out the Octagon of Doom. Like, that's when that really took off. You had college game day coming to town for that that KU game um, in, in 2010. So, like, I feel like we're, we're definitely headed toward those days. And that's where, I mean, it kills me. It kills me. If, it, if this game were any other night of the week other than a Tuesday and at any other time than 6 o'clock, I, I would be able to swing it and make it, and I would legitimately do it. But it's like a Tuesday, one day that I have to be in the office – Anyway, my personal situation, I, I am not going to be able to make it. But if if I can help, I'm going to throw this out. I did on Twitter. I'll throw it out here again. If you have a ticket and you're not going to be able to go, hit me up on Twitter at JL Kurtz, and I will I will retweet it, quote tweet it to get it out there to people so we can make sure somebody gets that ticket and, and uses it. I'm, I'm hoping that's not really going to be a problem. But if I can help in any way, like just hit me up on Twitter and and let me do that because I'm, I'm here for it, man. Absolutely here for it. So Jeff Goodman is the guy who really seems to be trying to will Jerome Tang to Texas right now. Obviously, Texas did cut bait with Chris Beard. And uh, shout out to Texas, by the way, for that that statement that their representation sent to uh, Chris Beard's representation. Uh, very well done on that front. And then uh, Chris Beard's representation comes back with a typo in like the first sentence of their response. So I'm not sure how great I'd be feeling about that if I were Mr. Beard. Um, but look. There's now an. It first started with a podcast where Jeff Goodman said, "Look, if I were Texas, my first call would be to Jerome Tang." Then he put out an actual article um, where he listed a bunch of candidates. I don't even think Coach Cal was on there, which seems to be one of the rumors that the Texas boosters are trying to get Calipari interested because he's kind of on the rocks right now at Kentucky. Uh, but then it came down to like who will be the hire, and it was Jerome Tang uh, for Jeff Goodman there. So look, I I don't think at this point. It's really based on much information, especially because it's so early in the process. But I just get leery at like trying to make it a thing, even if he's not going to go, like creating a big distraction. If guys like this are going to keep pushing this. I mean, you said it, Cole, we're like halfway through the season. There's a lot of basketball and a lot of season left to be played. And it looks like this team could do some special things this year. Can we just chill on this for, for a minute? I mean, that's, I, it's the world we live in. I understand, but it, it, it is very frustrating to me. It's yeah, it's January. 8th. It's kind of wild. Uh, I understand the frustration, but guess what? It's Texas. So uh, this thing's going to have zero chill. Um, if you're hoping for that, because it is Texas and they play in that meat grinder of a, you know, media environment where there's going to be constant speculation for the next two, three months as they, you know, zero in on a candidate. But if Jerome Tang does what you're hoping for, what we're kind of envisioning throughout this year, um, he's going to probably be at the top of just about every list. And Kansas State will have to handle that when the time comes. Um, I guess all I'm saying is I don't know what's going to happen. I feel confident that Jerome Tang loves Kansas State. Um, they'll have to pony up uh, in order to keep that a thing. But this isn't going to go away anytime soon. Yeah, let, let's think about Jerome Tang here. Look, he, it, as this continues, and if he continues this trajectory on the season, it's going to be more than just Texas that is looking at Jerome Tang and is making calls. There's other jobs, other power six jobs that open up Jerome Tang. People will try to poach him. 
but the thing with Tang is I think he's a loyal guy and he waited 19 years for this opportunity. King McClure said it on the broadcast last night on ESPN plus during the game. You heard it, right? Look, you know, Jerome Tang had other opportunities when King McClure was there as a player at Baylor, but he waited for the opportunity that he viewed as the right one. And I don't think he's someone that would jump ship on something that he's building just in year one at the school that, that really gave him his first power six type opportunity. Um, and so I think, I think he'll stick with Kansas state. Uh, and I look, I don't, I don't even think money is the motivating factor for Tang. Now, yes, you, you got to pay him and you're going to give him a raise and the assistants are going to need a raise to keep the staff together. Cause I think that's really important to him, but I, I think Jerome Tang will be here and will build something special over the years uh, money talks, but you also have to remember that K-State was willing to pay Brad Underwood's $10 million buyout. All right. They raised the money through donors to get Brad Underwood bought out this off season. All right. And they were going to, they, they made a strong ass offer to Brad Underwood. We talked about it when we first launched this podcast 10 months ago and, and got the ball moving on that. And you know, what Texas was paying Chris Beard, what, right around $5 million a year? Is that right, D.Y.? Five and a half, yep. Okay, so you got a guy that was one of the most sought-after coaches in college basketball in Beard at the time, and they were paying him five and a half. I don't think they'd make that level of offer uh, to Jerome Tang. Maybe they would. But I, I think K-State, when you win and you have the fan base all united and the, the donors see that and they love what they're seeing – people are willing to pay and give more money. Right. And so, yes, K-State's giving raises to the football staff in all likelihood going to have to pay up there. You have to do it on basketball too. And I, I think the donors and the, the fan base will step forward and will keep Jerome Tang in Manhattan and, and get him what is needed and the resources to, uh, to keep him here. This far ahead, I probably won't say what happens one way or another. I like, I I'll just stress. I don't think this is going away. And I, and I wouldn't be shocked if Jerome Tang does what we think he can do, even just in year one at Kansas State. It, I mean, Texas probably should, you know, try to pursue him, whether it's successful or not. And another thing to consider is whoever Texas does hire, I'm guessing it's a sitting head coach. There's probably going to be, you know, an avalanche of, you know, of more jobs that right. come available. Like, for you know, for example, if they go get Bruce Pearl at Auburn or, and Eric Musselman at Arkansas or Nate Oates at Alabama, that's going to start another, you know, another wave of job openings too. So the, this carousel, it, there will probably be a lot of consternation and, and anxiety to work through if you're a Kansas State fan. I guess I would at least point out that there's not, you know, when, when the Bob Huggins thing happened after one year, it was, it was the pull of the alma mater, right? Um, Tang doesn't, Tang to me, the alma mater conversation is, is basically Baylor, and I, I don't I don't foresee Scott Drew leaving anywhere for any reason anytime soon. But that, that would be one that would obviously uh, raise my concern level quite a bit. Texas is leaving the conference. So, you know, I mean, Jerome Tang's a, a Big 12 guy. Uh, I don't know that he's going to want to. And the other thing is, you know, I mean, think about how like in, ingrained Tang has been in like the culture and trying to get everybody riled up in a place with fan support. And I, I don't does Jerome Tang seem like a guy that wants to deal with all the bullshit that you got to deal with at Texas? Probably not. And and another thing is, is like, if you pour so much, I mean, he poured like every second of his life, it seems the last several months into this Kansas state job to, to kind of rejuvenate the fan base, to rejuvenate the student stuff. It's like, that's a lot of work to put into something to just leave it, you know, after one year. So there, there's that kind of level. Cause I know that that was kind of the Chris Kleiman thing. Well, when Nebraska came came calling, so I mean, I I had to put so much into this. I don't really want to leave it. I think you're going to have that same situation, perhaps, be present with Jerome Tang. And I mean, they they've kind of just kind of dove in headfirst with the whole Kansas State thing. Obviously, he handpicked this job too. We talked about it. Like he could have went elsewhere. This is the one he picked. It is the Big Twelve, as you alluded to. Um, and they are they just kind of jumped in, uh, like neck deep into Kansas state. His daughter is a true freshman at Kansas state. Um, you know, they grew up in Texas, obviously where drum tank coached for 19 seasons. And she's a true freshman at Kansas state. She picked Kansas state to go to school where her, her father coaches. So um, they're a little bit more embedded into the Kansas state fabric than a typical first year coach would be. So I think that also could play a role. Any final thoughts on that Cole? No, I mean, I just think he's, he's built up 
You know, he's got the equity now in Manhattan and uh, he's gone through the hardest part already and nobody foresaw them getting off to the start that they had. But, you know, he talked about when he took this job, when they came to Manhattan, the fan base caught his attention. You know, the, the, the Baylor K-State games with some of the crowds that he saw. And now he has done everything he could to get the fan base back bought in. And, and now this basketball fan base, K-State fans are excited about K-State basketball again. He's went through the hardest stretch here. He's built a heck of a recruiting class for 2023. Um, and the fans, they're locked in, and it's going to be an electric atmosphere. I did, I don't see him leaving that after one year. Yeah, I, I think, like D.Y. said, he's very bought into Kansas State and what he's building and, and does not want to jump ship in one year. So not, I'm not worried about it. Uh, just focused on uh, on this season and, and hoping K-State has as much success as possible, which Joe Lenardi heading into that game yesterday, guys, you know, not to get too off topic, but he had K-State as a, uh, I think, a four seed. I bet they're a three seed after the win at Baylor. Uh, because you look at the net rankings, K-State is now number 12 in the net rankings, which would be, you know, a three seed um, if they ranked it based off that. So it's uh, it's pretty surreal to think about where K-State basketball is at right now. Yeah, I mean, here here's my closing salvo on that whole thing. I suppose I would just piggyback off of that and say, like, think about that. Like, they're... they're we're talking about being a three seed or a four seed here. I, I mean, they were a two seed in the, the best basketball season in my lifetime, basically. I, I think the, the best and most fun basketball season of my lifetime with Jacob Pullen and company that went to the Elite Eight in 2009, 2010. They were a two seed. We're talking about a three or four seed right now with this team. Uh, the, the two Big 12 title teams were four seeds. Like, my message to myself as annoyed as I am by all this talk starting up with, with Texas so far. And my message to everybody else is going to be just enjoy the hell out of this. Just try to put it away, block people on Twitter uh, from Lawrence that are trying to throw this onto your timeline every single day and just enjoy the season and what it is and enjoy the ride because this, all of a sudden this looks like this could be very, very special and up there with as special a season as those of us who are, you know, millennials in this sort of generation have seen in our lifetimes. It's similar to how Kansas State reacted when Lance Leipold got to cook in there um, to start the football season at Kansas. It's like, oh, he'll get another job, especially when the Nebraska thing was open. So um, there, there is some similarities, I think, with that. Obviously, the, the programs are different. He was much more of a low, low, low liar than Kansas State basketball. Obviously, coming off a of, you know Big Twelve championship, just not you know even five years ago. Um, what I what I will say is, is like those accomplishments, those accolades you kind of pointed out that they're already achieving at this point in terms of seed um, seed lines. It also goes to show that what Jerome Tang, you know, the pinnacle of what he could accomplish, he can do it at Kansas State. He's already kind of proving that to himself, to to the fans, to the public, to his team. Like what you know, you can reach the highest of the highest in college basketball at Kansas State. Uh, it will come down to support, and I think if K State is is willing to provide that to him, um, both on a financial and resource level, um, it would be hard for him to bolt. Oh, look, yeah. I mean, no. Baylor won a national championship. Texas Tech played for a national championship. Jerome Tang came in and said, I'm here to win a national championship. No reason that you can't do it here at K-State if you can do it at Baylor and Texas Tech. They had that stat on the broadcast last night that Baylor, through the first, like before Scott Drew got there, they had been ranked like twice in their entire history, I mean, they won a national championship there. So, yeah, it can it can be done here. I'm sorry, Cole, I cut you off. If you have anything left before we take this break, oh uh, no, uh, I was just I was just also going to say we talk about the offensive numbers and and don't you guys recall like in the offseason we were talking about like you know concern like we thought they'd be good on defense right we were worried about the offense and then he hired Rodney Perry. And obviously Rodney Perry has been very impactful and that's not to take anything away from the rest of the staff and the offense as well. They all play a part, but I am just astounded when I watch them, the inbound plays coming out of a timeout. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible guys. Every coming out of a timeout, they almost always have a play drawn up that works to perfection. And I think back to last night when they inbounded the ball in regulation, it was 81, 80. And they inbounded it to Keontae and they got the Baylor defender to fall down as they did a rub and Desi inbounded it. He had an easy layup. Like it is just remarkable how good they are. Like going from where they were over the past several years, always frustrated the heck out of me coming out of timeouts, play designs, et cetera. They are, they are great at drawing up plays and this offense has just been phenomenal. I, I did not envision anything like this. Speaking of offense, 
Uh, I'm curious about a, an offensive piece in case they may be adding in football uh, to replace the outgoing Deuce Vaughn. We'll talk about that coming up next. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. All right, here on 3 Maw, quick uh, little transfer portal update here. K-State had Treshawn Ward in as a visitor uh, from Florida State, who is a pretty electric running back, man. He's got a, a heck of a highlight reel. And Florida State, I, I saw them – Brett McMurphy, I think, had them preseason top five for next year. Uh, definitely an ascending program right now. Mike Norvell has that thing moving in the right direction and humming. Treshawn Ward this past year got hurt for a little while, and it seems Florida State is pretty loaded at running back and had a couple of guys take some of the playing time away from him. And so he was looking for an opportunity uh, to get more PT. Florida State fans, if you look at their reaction um, to him leaving, definitely not happy to see him go, but also like very much wishing him the best. He was kind of a beloved player there. Just seems like a great fit from a cultural standpoint. And in addition to what he can do on the football field to pair him with DJ Giddens, I easily the top of my wish list out of the transfer portal right now, took a visit. We saw on Instagram that he was here in Manhattan. Uh, DY this, this will be, this will be your ballpark. This is your area. Uh, how, how positive should we be feeling about, uh, Trishon Ward and what, what is that fit like in your eyes? Yeah. The social media footprint appears good. I'll be honest. I don't necessarily have a ton of inside information on how this one is, uh, proceeding. I think there's about a week left. If you wanted to check out a few other places, we haven't heard of anything just yet. So I, I would assume no news is good news on that front. It's not like, he raced to make another visit after, you know, his one to Kansas State finished, I think, like Friday or Saturday. So unless we're missing something, it doesn't sound like he's, you know, completely rushing to have something else, uh, you know, on his calendar, which I like I said, and I think that's a good sign. He's a very explosive playmaker with the ball in his hands. Uh, maybe not the the long speed that you see from some running backs, but uh, you know, what I like in the backfield is guys like you know, their first few steps are, are where they're the fastest. And he certainly has that in his arsenal. Um, beloved at Florida State, as you mentioned, that is because, uh, yeah, kind of matches what K-State is kind of known for and what's kind of been their culture um, probably for decades, really, because he actually walked on at Florida State when he had other Power 5 options, plenty of Power 5 options, really, and good ones at that. He walked on Florida State because that was his dream school. He wanted to play at Florida State really bad. They were like one of the few programs at that level that didn't offer him. So um, he didn't care. He went there, walked on, earned an offer that way. So just kind of by that nature, kind of seeing how that unfolded in Tallahassee tells you that he probably matches exactly what they've been doing and want to do at Kansas State since they kind of made that switch in 2020, um, which, you know, was one of the bigger engineers to, to winning a Big 12. So. Um, on the field, off the field, I think this one makes a lot of sense for Kansas State. Um, you hope that Treshawn Ward uh, comes to the conclusion that it makes a lot of sense for him as well. Yeah, it'd be a big time addition. Uh, you know, nearly seven yards a carry uh, as the number two running back and almost 700 yards rushing just this last season. Sounds like a heck of a, a teammate um, that would fit in the locker room and really fill the void by Deuce Vaughn. Uh, and what you're looking for in a different type of back from DJ Giddens, who's more power and he is Treshawn Ward looks to be more burst explosiveness. I think it'd be a really nice one, two punch. And so be ecstatic if they landed him. And I'm sure it's an attractive place because as, as we found out this week and DY had reported on this throughout the last month or two, the entire offensive line is, is back. Um, so 
that's an attractive spot. You got Will Howard. Uh, you got a you got a starting quarterback, a very successful starting quarterback returning your entire offensive line. It is an attractive spot to replace an All-American running back, uh, two-time All-American running back in Deuce Vaughn. So I'm sure K-State got Trayshawn on the phone with Deuce. We know Deuce would would do something like that and really sell K-State hard as to why Trayshawn Ward should come here. And so hopefully K-State gets an announcement in their favor shortly. Trying to, it's a, I'm glad you brought up Cole, the entire offensive line coming back. So obviously the, the headliner there is Cooper Beebe. Uh, K-State does wind up with one of the big three coming back who all could have gone to the NFL and been, been drafted, draftable players this year. So that that's huge. Love to see that. Um, outside of the offensive line coming back, we've seen official announcements from some Malik Knowles is leaving, which was expected. Echo Boydo leaving, which was expected. Julius Brintz leaving, which was expected. Am I missing any of the official announcements that we've seen so far from these guys? No, not, okay. I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. So basically, I mean, I think basically the point here being like everything, I mean, DY, you've been on top of this. Everything seems to have played out pretty true to form as far as who's who's staying and who's going right now. Yeah, and, and I think Seth Porter's coming back. I think that'll be one of the guys that's a super senior at the three offensive linemen, Hayden Gillum, Christian Duffy, and KT Leviston have already announced. Cooper Beebe's coming back and not declaring for the NFL. Deuce Vaughn did declare for the NFL draft. I believe Felix Ndike Uzama will probably declare for the NFL draft. I think that one was probably – that decision was probably made before others. Um, which is a little surprising that we haven't seen an announcement from him um, yeah. just because I think he was probably the most certain of that future. So, uh, yeah, we'll probably hear something shortly. Uh, they have until January 16th, so he probably wants to do it on his own time, maybe give a – Maybe the spotlight to do then to the offensive line. Doesn't want to steal anyone's thunder. Maybe something along those lines, I would imagine. Um, Randall Platner, long snapper, uh, senior as well. He'll come back um, probably. And he's a scholarship player. So I think that it might be surprising to some. I, most long snappers in the Power Five are still scholarship players. I think folks lose sight of that. Uh, they typically aren't straight out of high school. Once they earn a starting job, they're given one, and he was. Um, but he will come back, so you don't have to worry about you know any of the little uh, mistakes there because I, I can't remember ever a time where Kent State had a problem with a snap. So I think that's actually maybe a quietly a valuable stay as well. I think Philip Brooks is still mauling his future. I would tend to maybe he goes because that's what it certainly felt like at one point, but now it seems like they're it, at least returning is being considered. Okay. Yeah. I could probably. Yeah. Welcome him back if he decides to come. You know, we'll we'll see. Um, but man, yeah, if you if you can add Treshawn Ward, I, I feel really good about the offense. Uh, defense maybe another kind of deal, and I know nose guard continues to be a it would yeah attention there. It would be a sign of a, another sign, obviously not the first, but just how far they've come along in skill position recruiting, right? Because then you you'd have the and. I don't really believe in transfer rankings a whole lot just yet, just because they seem to be all over the place and sometimes just not really pass the eye test, smell test, whatever, because some of the things are weird to me in terms of who gets elevated and who doesn't. Like the Keegan Johnson thing doesn't make sense to me, but I guess my point here is it, it shows you where Kansas State, how far along they've come in the skill position recruiting, because I know, like, Kurtz, you're big on the skill positions and following what goes on there, and it wasn't very good for a long time. Um, they got Keegan Johnson of the likes of Notre Dame and Texas A&M, a guy that has proven production at the Power 5 level as a true freshman, almost one Big Ten freshman of the year, and now, you know, maybe hopefully on the doorstep of landing Trayshawn Ward, who if you do uh, subscribe to transfer rankings, I think most have him as the number two running back in the entire transfer portal. Mm, okay, I didn't even know that. Yeah. And you got Ben Sennett coming back, maybe the best tight end in the Big 12. Obviously, a guy that Will Howard has a, a very good relationship with uh, and connection with on the football field. And uh, Keegan Johnson, as you mentioned, Trayshawn Ward, DJ Giddens, who had a really good freshman season, and the entire O-line and Will Howard back. It, it could be a, a fun offense. I do have some concerns about the defensive side of the football right now, and, and hopefully they can land a couple of impact transfers. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty worried about the D-line, to be honest, D.Y., uh, if uh, assuming Felix leaves and they're struggling to find a nose tackle, uh, I'm I'm a little worried there. Yeah, you gotta you gotta address the nose tackle position still. Obviously, Justin Kirkland instead of taking that visit to Manhattan picked Oklahoma State, um, and they're you know I guess what I will say on the nose tackle front, if I'm going to look at a glass half full, is like 
and I know I'm not saying you specifically, but some fans were concerned when Kansas State missed on Sean Tyler, who's was a very highly touted transfer portal running back actually out of Western Michigan who picked Oklahoma State. He looked to be the best of all the options that were present at that time. You missed that. You know, two weeks later, Trayshawn Ward enters the transfer portal, and now you might be leaning him, which is probably an upgrade over Sean Tyler. So yeah. uh, you're kind of getting down to the nitty-gritty timeline-wise, but it doesn't mean you can't still get a better guy. So I I wouldn't say I'd be panicking. Concern is valid, I think, because there is probably – uh, a feeling of insecurity at this point. I just don't think it's time to panic just yet. Yeah, you're you're right. I mean, and uh, you know, you think about the patience and how it can pay off at times. Uh, South Florida just had a very talented running back enter the portal, Brian Battle, right? And Florida Atlantic had the first team Conference USA uh, running back enter the portal this week. So there's still, and that's that's running backs. I know we're talking D line, but there's still talented players that are choosing to enter the portal. So um, I, I think case it'll be fine, but. And yeah. glass glass half empty approach here, I will say, is typically the the options at nose tackle are much more thin than running back. There's plenty of good running backs, 10 almost every year. There is, you know, there's usually a shortage of nose guards that are prolific. Uh, Kansas State has certainly been spoiled, actually, on that front over the years, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I would just point out huge offseason for – Nate Matlack, huge offseason for Uso. They're, they're going to have to – I mean, no matter what happens, they're going to have to rely on those guys, I think, to make big, big leaps. And I understand and I understand the trepidation on Nate Matlack for some just because this was supposed to be his breakout year and that never really came to the surface or came to fruition. Um, certainly understand it, but I will say he was playing on two bad wheels for almost the entire season. So I don't think that he got a fair shot at reaching – you know, that ceiling that we all made out for him either. True. Well, then then I guess, you know, hopefully that doesn't become something that plagues him throughout his career. You know, I mean, that's something to watch then if injuries are going to be an issue uh, all the time. But either way, look, believe in the guy, believe in his talent. Um, just going to need that. Going to need that this year. All right. I think that's going to wrap it up for us here. Appreciate Holiday Distillery, all their help. Go get your Ben Holiday bottle and bond bourbon. Go get your 360 vodka. Uh, and make sure that you are in Bramage on Tuesday, if at all possible. All right, continue to fill that sucker up and let's enjoy what looks to be the best K-State basketball season in a while. For Jed Marshall behind the scenes, for Derek Young, for Cole Manbeck, I'm John Kurtz. Thanks for listening once again to 3Mod. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. Covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou. By searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.